Here, we talk about intuitive eating and Jesus. Hi, I'm Nyla, and welcome to the Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast. I'm a certified health and life coach specializing in intuitive eating and body image improvement from a Christian perspective. I pray this podcast allows you to learn the skill of intuitive eating and tap into the awesome body wisdom God intentionally designed into you for food choices and exercise choices. This podcast will teach you how to have a peaceful and joyful relationship with food and fitness, the kind that God desires all his children to experience. I'll also teach you how to view your body as God sees it. I believe Adam and Eve were intuitive eaters in the Garden of Eden, and I'm on a mission to help as many Christian women as I can eat with ease and calm as those two did all those years ago in that famous garden. Hey guys, welcome back to the Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast. I am Nyla. So happy that you're here. If this is your first episode, I want to give you an extra warm welcome. Thank you so much for trying out this episode. I know sometimes we like to just stick to the podcast that we know that we like, just like books. Sometimes you stick with the author that you know that you enjoy their writing style. So I'm so honored that you're giving me a shot, that you're tuning in to see if this is your cup of tea, if this is something that you would like to tune into regularly. And if you are a regular, thank you so much for tuning in again. I just love having this platform to share my thoughts about food and body image and exercise all from a Christian perspective. I just love getting to talk about this stuff with you guys. So thank you so much for letting me talk. If you guys weren't listening, weren't downloading the episodes, then I'd be talking to myself. So it's really nice that that is not the case, that there are people listening and that I can share what God has taught me, that I can pass on that wisdom to you guys so that you can experience more freedom and then you can pass it on to more people either by sharing these episodes with them or just in conversations at a coffee shop, say, or on a walk, just sharing like, hey, listen to this podcast from this girl named Nyla and she's talking about this about food and this about intuitive eating. And so it's just this domino effect that we can really change the world. We can produce food freedom simply by listening to a podcast and then sharing it through the different avenues like i said one-on-one with people or just sending them the link to an episode that really resonated with you and it's it's awesome that we can just really heal the world through podcasting what a gift podcasting is from god to just speak his truth to people so that they can have transformed lives Today is a Sunday that I am recording this. I tend to record a lot on the weekends, just that's when I have more time to work on my own podcast. I am a virtual assistant as well as a Christian life coach, and so I do work on other people's podcasts during the week, and then the weekends is when I have time to do my own podcasting, which is fun. I slept in today. That was super nice. I cuddled with my kitty. I have this awesome pineapple cup it's shaped literally like a pineapple and i'm drinking from it got some water in there and it just makes me so happy when i drink it puts me in the mood for summer i tried out a new product that i found at the store today for lunch they were i thought they were called onion rings but now i see that they're called veggie rings and so I like them. I would give them like a 6.5, but my husband took a bite and he's like, these are the most terrible things that I've ever put in my mouth. So he did not like them, but I thought they were okay. The outside was crispy. I thought it resembled like an onion ring, but then the inside was kind of like a matzo stick almost, but then also kind of reminded me of chicken cordon bleu. So it was a little different, but I don't mind having to eat them all because my husband only ate one bite and he's like, I wish I could spit this out. Like, 
the outside had no flavor, the inside was 100% terrible, <laughs> is what he said. So that is what we did today. We're going to watch a sermon online. I'm going to spend some time on the deck. Yesterday I went for a run, had Toby Mac singing in my ear, and it was just a really nice warm run. I had put on a new outfit that I had bought from Old Navy, got some new biker shorts and a really like long crop top, and I just felt really good on that run. It was, yeah, a beautiful sunny day, had really upbeat, funky music playing in my ear, had this outfit that I hadn't worn before that was super comfortable. But today I'm taking a rest day because I learned just that I feel better when I don't always do high intensity workouts. I like taking one to three days of rest days a week. And for me, I like active rest days. Sometimes my body's like, no, we just need no extra movement today other than like daily living sometimes that is what my body asks for but a lot of the times my rest days consist of taking a short walk doing some foam rolling stretching something like that so after i finish recording this episode i'm going to go put on one of my favorite stretching videos and do some foam rolling it's going to feel really good and yeah maybe watch like a baking show on netflix i really enjoy somebody feed phil my husband and i really like that show on netflix so that is kind of I think my plan for the day, I'm going to have some leftovers for supper. My husband has a lunch tomorrow, so I don't have to pack his lunch. So that's nice. Yeah, just trying to make Sundays restful. I'm feeling like a little burnt out from the week. So trying to do a really, really restful Sunday, which I always try to do. And I'm trying to simplify this upcoming week. I've been asking God, help me to construct a week that is really simplified so that I just have extra rest this week because I'm just feeling burnt out from just all the activities that have been happening in the last month. So I just kind of need like a, a staycation almost. So I still need to do my work. I still have client sessions with coaching clients. I still have to do my VA work for different clients, but I can still simplify. And today I have been walking by our carpet and thinking like, oh man, that's got a lot of cat hair on it. Like it needs vacuuming and all the dishes need doing. But I'm just remembering like, no, I'm going to rest. Like God calls us to rest. And when we rest, that's such an act of trust to God to take care of us. It'll be okay. He'll help me find energy and time to do these errands and chores that I need to do. He'll help me to do that in a peaceful way in the week. And he calls us to rest. And when we obey him, we get the benefits of obedience. And so I'm resting on the Sabbath, ignoring some of the dirty parts of my house, I'm just knowing I'll get to it later and there is benefit and blessing to me by resting when God calls us to rest one day of the week at that longer period of rest. We should rest all throughout the week, but a Sabbath is like a longer period of rest and it is easier sometimes to rest when you plan to rest where you maybe clean your house first before the Sabbath, but I didn't do that this week and so now I'm just ignoring it and just knowing like I'll get to it when I get to it and God will, he'll help me get to it and do it with energy. So anyways, today I titled the episode, He Called Me Fat. And I'm sure when I say that, people have memories coming up of times when other people have called their bodies fat. And I remember seeing this meme on Instagram a few years ago, and it said, you have fat, but you're not fat. Just like you have fingernails, but you're not a fingernail. And at first I thought that was so like, awesome like oh that's such a cool quote like I love that so much but then I had shared it in my stories and someone had dm me and said like you know 
that's really kind of offensive to the fat population. Like fat is a body type. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Like some people just are fat. That's their body type. Just like some of us are tall or some of us have freckles. It's just what you've been given. That's just your body shape that you have and you can be healthy even if you are fat. And so I actually didn't take it down from my stories, but I put a a follow-up story in my Instagram and kind of talked about some of these things. And so I am calling this title of this episode, He Called Me Fat, because I'm going to talk about a time in my life where that happened. And I'm also going to talk about this concept of fat not being a bad thing, how we should neutralize it and see it as no different than, oh, she's tall. Oh, she has brown hair. Oh, she has blue eyes. Like, it's just a neutral fact. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just like this fact about your body. So I'll talk about that. I'm going to talk about thin shaming and how that's a thing, how it's not just people who are in larger bodies that sometimes get bullied, but sometimes people in thin bodies can be bullied and told that they're wrong, that they look wrong, that they're too thin. And I'm just yeah, going to share some of my story and I'm actually going to read from my book, my memoir, the Bible, Your Bod and Broccoli, going to share some pieces from a chapter in there. And I really, really hope that this just is like this unique narrative that you open your eyes to, that you are receptive to, that you have a teachable heart to learning about. And I pray that afterwards you go and you chat with the Lord. Like, okay, let's talk about what Nyla said. Like, how does this apply to my life, my thinking? Like, how should I change my thinking lord like just show me so i wrote my memoir again it's called the bible your bod and broccoli i wrote it in 2020 and it had been on my heart for a long time to write but i felt like in 2020 the lord was saying go you're ready go for it write it so i wrote it and it's actually available in ebook format through my website nutritionwithnyla.org and you can get to my website through the links that are in the show notes of this episode and yeah, there's a link specifically that says buy Nyla's books and it'll take you to a form to fill out to purchase this ebook, my memoir. And there's also other books that I've written, other resources that you can check out as well using that link. So I created this book, specifically my memoir, The Bible, Your Bought in Broccoli, to be used a couple different ways. So option one is solo. So you could go through the reflection questions at the end of each chapter. You could do it totally on your own. You can either mentally work through these questions or even better, you can write down your answers after discussing with Jesus what your true answers are and being just super honest with yourself and him. And you can also do the worksheets and the food for thought mini tasks on your own at your own pace. And then option two is you can do it together with a group, like in a Bible study or book club setting. You can go around the room and share your answers to the reflection questions as much as you're comfortable or a designated leader can ask the questions one at a time and anyone who is willing can chime in with their thoughts. Each participant can complete their worksheets and their food for thought mini tasks during the week on their own and they can share their experiences with the group the following meetup doing those tasks on their own. This format would have you working through the book at the same pace as the rest of your group. So possibly reading one or two chapters per week and then meeting once a week together to discuss. 
You could also read aloud the chapters as a group instead of reading them on your own separately too. So maybe a monthly group meetup might work better for you though to discuss a bunch of chapters at once. Just use this book intuitively, whatever works for your group of friends. And please note that this book is packed with practical tips for improving your relationship with food, body image, and exercise. But a huge component of my teaching is also based on identity shift. When you realize your true identity in Christ first, you experience a powerful mindset change. And then you can approach food, body image, and exercise in a brand new way. This will make it easier to successfully implement my tips in a life-changing way. I'm a firm believer a crash course in our identity is needed in order to resolve food struggles since displaced worth and identity is the root causes of the struggles in the first place. So throughout the book, if you buy it, you'll see some question prompting similar to what you might hear if I was your one-on-one Christian life coach and we were doing coaching calls over the phone. I wanted this book to offer a unique experience of acting like a self-paced coaching experience with me. So the book components are, like I mentioned, there's reflection questions at the end of each chapter about content discussed in the previous chapter. And there's worksheets at the end of each chapter to practically apply that chapter's topic. And some of these worksheets are what I give to my Christian life coaching clients who come to me to get intuitive eating and body image help from a Christian perspective. Some of these actually are ones that I have sent out to my one-on-one clients. And then there's also a food for thought mini tasks, and these are scattered throughout chapters to challenge your thoughts in simple ways about a topic just discussed. The tagline of this book from the front cover reads, how to eat in a simple, free, and joyful way that aligns with the Bible. And then, and then like second tagline at the very top of the book cover says, how I overcame an eating disorder, over-exercising, fear foods, food guilt, poor body image, and how you can too with God. One of my editors actually suggested that I don't use the photo that I ended up using for the front cover. If you haven't seen the cover, I'm wearing a cheetah print shirt, a big sun hat, and a huge smile. I'm smiling so big, my eyes are all squinty. If you click the link in the show notes to look up my books, it will take you to the cover. But I wanted that larger than life smile because that's how I truly feel now that I'm free from an eating disorder. I don't feel like I'm in a big black box anymore with no windows, door, or way out. I'm not chained to an ED anymore and neither does anyone else have to be chained to an eating disorder. Healthy and healed, it's a joyful place to be and I want that huge genuine smile on the cover to show girls and women still struggling with food like I was that recovery is so worth the joy that comes from that heart of asking for help and getting better. Healthy might be scary but it's so, so joyful on the other side of it. Okay, on to the reading from chapter one. This isn't all of chapter one, and I won't read the reflection questions or walk you through the workbook. This is just the chapter part, where my first body awareness moment in grade three took place that impacted me greatly. So chapter one, Meany Head Samuel, Diet Culture Infiltrates My Life. I had my first run-in with diet culture when I was in grade three. This book would have been an incredible, helpful resource to me during my two-decade-long fight with disordered eating and disordered exercising. I pray the lessons I've learned on my journey to food and fitness freedom will be as helpful and healing to you as they have been to me. 
When I was a teen, I recall a dietitian and her family spending the night with my family at my parents' home. They were passing through our town to see loved ones who lived further away. Come morning, my mom had set out cereal and also bagels and fruit for breakfast. Isn't she a dietitian? I thought with horror and disgust, trying not to be so obvious as I watched the woman eat a bagel that she'd top with butter. Doesn't she know how many carbs are in that? Or that there's fat in that butter, giving her extra calories? To be painfully truthful, I saw her as a hypocrite that day, a professional teaching people to get healthy, yet was eating unhealthy herself. Today, I groan when I replay the dialogue in my head that day. She wasn't in the wrong. It was me who had a warped idea of what eating healthy meant. Diet culture, you got me good for way too long. What is diet culture? It's a system of beliefs held by some people in the world who believe thinness equates to health. That there's only one body size that is beautiful and deemed worthy, and if you aren't that size, you should spend all your efforts and time pursuing that ideal body size. Diet culture demonizes certain foods, usually carbs, fat, and non-nutrient-dense foods, and they elevate other foods, lying to you that if you eat quote-unquote bad foods that you are worse of a person, and if you eat quote-unquote good foods, you are morally better and of more value. If you have ears and have been around another woman ever in your life, I'm 99% sure you have heard someone say, oh, I'm being so bad today when reaching for a brownie or something like that, as if an inanimate object like food has the ability to make them bad. Diet culture and bologna have a lot in common. They both fall a bit flat. The truth is, all foods are morally neutral. Yes, some foods have more nutrients and vitamins in them, but no food has the ability to give or take away the inherent worth you have just for being a human. No food is wrong or bad. It's overeating any type of food that leads to not fun things. I personally have gotten sick eating too many carrots or high fiber cereals. And all food has value and provides nourishment to us. Even if it's not in the form of nutrients, but rather joy or social fun nourishment. Pleasure is an important food group to include in your meals. Understand that the source of your worth has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him, the one who created you with built-in forever worth. This revelation allows you to make food and fitness choices in alignment with body cues, knowing you don't need to do those things in a specific way to earn your worth, since your worth doesn't have to be earned. You are free to simply choose what sounds good and makes your body feel how you like to, strong, energized, focused. You can make food and fitness decisions out of a place of wanting to be a good steward of your body and God-given talents, be a good steward of those and be strong to fulfill your God assignments in life, whatever those may be. I still remember the day the light bulb went off for me about the concept of inherent worth that I just had without me doing anything to earn or keep it. Previously, I'd asked God to help me understand the concept and even though I had heard lots of people talk about it, I just didn't get it. But that day, I opened and read a Christian dietitian's weekly email. The topic that day by Laura Schoenfield was about our inherent worth, and suddenly it clicked. I was baffled, excited, in awe. Also a bit annoyed that I had not believed or understood this incredible concept for years. I had been making choices for years, trying to keep or get human value each day. It was like I thought... If I do this workout today, I have worth. And if I eat this way, I have worth. But each day I thought and acted like my worth went to zero each morning and I had to do certain things to bring it up again. It was exhausting, hindering me from listening to what my body said it needed. 
I refused to rest even when sick or hurt, feeling like a worthless failure if I did that. Countless times I forced myself to eat disgusting veggie-packed pea and carrot smoothies while everyone else was eating yummy baked oatmeal or toast or good-tasting berry smoothies at breakfast. The more veggies, the more nutrients present, the more worth I have today was my mindset back then. If it doesn't click to you today, keep exposing yourself to content like this. Blogs, podcasts, articles, books. Ask that God helps you understand not only the true source of your unchangeable worth, but also invite him into helping you see your well-rounded identity as his beloved child. I'm sure I would have grasped this game changer concept years earlier if I had asked for help understanding it earlier. Do the same with any concept you don't understand. I've done it with asking God to help me understand my inheritance, being in covenant with him, being the righteousness of God in Christ, my believer's authority, what certain Bible verses mean, etc. We have worth simply because we are created off of the blueprints of worth himself. As humans, we have unchangeable, immeasurable worth. Nothing we can weigh, wear, eat, accomplish, or not accomplish, relationships we have or don't have, how we move our bodies or for how long, nothing has the power to change our inherent value. Nothing. Just because you do something doesn't mean that's who you are. You might have an eating disorder, but you are not an eating disorder. You might be called ugly or useless or worthless by them, but that doesn't mean it's true. What people say is often not rooted in truth. To those lies floating around in your head say, I'm not that kind of girl they say I am. Refuse to see yourself as what you do, but what he made you to be. You don't need others to accept you or approve of you to have a good day. You just need to choose to see yourself through the lens of God. You are not what you eat. You are not how you move. You are not what you do. You are not what was done to you. You are not what others say about you. You are not what others think about you. Not unless that person is part of the Trinity. You are not as valuable as the opinions of others on social media or the amounts of likes you get. That actually doesn't change one tiny aspect about your value. Your value is unchangeable, untouchable by opinions or your own actions. You are not as valuable as your productivity or size of pants. You are as valuable as the price someone paid for you on a cross. Picture this, while walking, your significant other sees a terrible death coming your way and rushes forward, pushing you out of harm's way of a speedy car. Looking up from the hot pavement in summer, knees stinging from the sudden fall and harsh impact, you hear yourself gasp in shock and despair. Your loved one lies limp in front of the car, dead, in your place, because of his love for you. Sometimes we hear John 3.16 so often it loses its power, unfortunately. Jesus loves you becomes a familiar song. We've had it memorized since toddlerhood, but don't really spend much time thinking about what that love actually means, how deep it runs. It can be helpful to bring the story back to modern times, like I just did above, to make it more relatable to our time and age. People don't hang on crosses anymore, but they do give their lives to save others. If your boyfriend, husband, fiance, friend, brother, or dad pushed you out of the way of a car, giving his life for yours, you'd realize how loved you were. You'd realize how someone saw you, what their perspective of you was. You'd live a bit differently wanting to make their sacrifice of love count. If you take one thing from this book, I pray it is how unchangeable your value is. The belief and realization that nothing in life can change your worth, that is game changer. You wake up and go to bed with the same amount of human worth, the same great love from God each day. 
Doesn't matter how different those days looked, what you did in between exiting and entering the bed. You're simply actively loved by your Heavenly Father all day long. Regardless of what you do, say, eat, how you move, or what you weigh, or what other people think of what you did that day. What if you decided to make food and fitness choices from a place of, I already am enough, already worthy, instead of making choices that you think will earn your enoughness and worthiness, when in reality, you already do have, present tense, those things? Would it make resting easier if you believed this? Eating when hungry easier, stopping when full easier? Choosing movement that was fun, moving for joy instead of punishment over what you ate? Would fear of weight gain or your body changing not matter so much anymore if you felt like you really believed you were enough already, worthy enough, and you always would be? Would seeking out help for eating issues be less scary for what it might do to your body or status in others' eyes? Back to grade three. His name started with an S, but let's just call him Samuel. I have no idea what he is doing today with his life. I don't even know if he lives in the same province of Canada as me anymore. I don't know if he's married, if he has kids. I've never looked him up on Facebook and I didn't go to my high school 10-year reunion. I'm pretty sure he doesn't even remember that day in grade 3 when he rocked my world with six small but destructive words that stayed with me well into my adult years. Why do you look so bludgy? Translation, why do you look that way? I think bludgy was his made-up word for fat. His version of saying fat or blubbery as if I were a whale with lots of blubber. But he was telling me I looked wrong. I knew that because I wasn't a whale. I was a little girl. And so he said that I looked wrong. If I looked like a whale, I was wrong because I wasn't a whale. He had scrunched his nose up at me, repulsion in his eyes. I had been asked by the teacher to hand out our notebooks for our next class and had just set his down on his desk. I didn't know what to say, my cheeks flushing with heat, my heart rate speeding up. I managed to spit out, I don't know, and hurried to the next classmate's desk, unable to get away from the blonde-haired boy I'd had a crush on fast enough. It was in this moment, and many that followed after, that I learned certain appearances to some members of society are lovable, and other appearances are wrong. I became even more aware that day, looking around, that most of my classmates were smaller than me, and I thought, better, more beautiful, more lovable because of their size. Samuel wasn't born with that belief that bigger meant worse. No, that was taught to him, handed down by voices likely in his own family, a mom, one of his sisters, an aunt, maybe even by a male influence in his life, or from messaging on TV or a magazine sitting around his home. Fat phobia, somewhere down the line, was taught to him. Babies are born with only two fears, of loud noises and of falling. Fear of becoming fat is not one of those fears. Neither is a fear of being fat or a disapproval of fat-shaped bodies. Fat phobia. Fat phobia is a term many people aren't aware of. It's oppression that people face in our world, whether it be external or internal oppression. Internal oppression would be things like fearing becoming fat and thus over-exercising or going on strict diets to stay thin or get thin, or thinking, if only you were smaller, you'd enjoy life more. External oppression would be things like other people mistreating you for being fat, calling you cruel names, not giving you a job because of your size, a doctor giving you a weight loss plan even though you came to him for help for a broken leg. It's a case of fat phobia if a doctor tells someone to eat less, exercise more, and doesn't even ask how much they currently eat or exercise. People in smaller bodies can experience fat phobia, 
If you live in this world, you likely do have some fat phobia. It's been taught to you as truth, that it's wrong to be fat, that fat is a bad word to describe someone as or to be, that you should fear looking that way, that you should do everything in your power to never look fat or to stop looking that way if you do currently. And it's taught to us in society that fat bodies are less attractive. Becoming fat, for me, was one of my worst fears for years. I thought life would crumble if I looked that way. I also believed life would be perfect if I was the opposite of fat, so incredibly skinny. Which wasn't true, by the way. Even at 94 pounds, at my smallest, in the midst of an eating disorder, life still had crazy hard parts. Many extra challenges brought upon by my pursuit of being real thin. I was even afraid of consuming fat. I thought I was one bite of fat away from being fat. Now I realize that health, weight, those are achieved by regular behaviors over time. Eating processed food or fat-rich food isn't the issue. God has called all food clean, and it's the misuse of any food that leads to harmful things, not a single macronutrient like fat. In the same way, a few missed workouts, that isn't going to affect your fitness at all. The sum of habits over time is what matters. Intensity and perfection doesn't matter one bit. It's consistency that determines true health, even consistently eating healthy or moving imperfectly. One way we see fat phobia in play is how normal and accepted it is to complement weight loss. But weight gain? We get the impression from people's comments and reactions that we should be ashamed of it or hide it. In society's eyes, it's good and praiseworthy to lose weight since being bigger is quote-unquote bad. Sometimes though, weight gain is a good thing. I gained weight in eating disorder recovery and that helped me gain back my life. Sometimes weighing more means you actually are able to live 100% more of a full life. You live more. You can go eat pizza at midnight with your hubby, go out for ice cream on a hot summer day spontaneously, take time off of working out, and just enjoy a vacay or focus on other tasks or hobbies instead for a while. Weight gain and weight loss can be both good or bad things, depending on the how it was done and the why it was pursued and if the impact of it was actually helpful or harmful. It's insightful to note that the impact on a person's holistic health, so not just their physical health, but taking into consideration the impact on social, emotional, mental, and spiritual health from pursuing these new habits, that is really important to do an overview on. How did weight gain? How did weight loss? How did that affect their whole person? Sometimes you gain weight because you rested your body when it had an injury. You did the right thing and weight gain sometimes happens from doing healthy things. Weight gain isn't wrong. Sometimes it happens from living your life with joy, listening to your body cues and not letting your body size dictate your choices anymore or hold you back from enjoying life. Sometimes your body's preferred weight is a higher weight than you were trying to maintain. Honoring your body cues for food or rest to get you at your God-given body size is a good thing, a praiseworthy thing. It will feel so good to get to your set point weight range, which is the weight that God picked for you to easily and enjoyably get to and stay at when you learn intuitive eating, how to listen to and honor those body cues that he put in you to pursue health using those as a guidepost. I have a tough confession to make. One that I realized now was deeply rooted in fat phobic beliefs I had. There was a well-known 21-day workout series that I did. 21-day fix. <laughs> Each time I would do one of those workouts over the years, I would wonder about one woman. The modifier on the right. Why is she not thin? Why does she not look like the other people? 
I would think, taking in her large body. Maybe she eats a ton of junk food each day after she leaves the workout set? But then they did a remake of the famous program years later and she was again one of the workout participants in the video. Huh? She's still big? What is going on? I just couldn't understand why she looked that way if she was doing these workouts alongside the rest of the cast who was thin. And then I heard two podcast episodes on fat phobia. And I realized I'd been affected big time by fat phobia. It's not wrong to be fat. Fat is just another body type, the woman on one of the podcasts said, followed by something like, and you can truly be healthy at any size, even fat. Later in the interview, she added, but health is not an obligation to pursue as our now health-obsessed world would tell you. So she was telling us that just because the world values health doesn't mean that you have to pursue it in an obsessed way. We should pursue it because that's honoring God with the gift of the body that he's given us by being good stewards of it, but we don't need to pursue health in this obsessed way that society is so obsessed about being in peak condition. It's like the world almost tells us we need to pursue health as if we're almost like we're Olympians. And I saw a post by Sadie Robertson the other day and it was about fitness and she was saying, I don't need to work out five days a week. I just need to work out so that I can get fit for the life God has called me to live. And she's not an Olympian, so she's not training like an Olympian. And I love that. What if we just get fit enough and we pursue health in a way that leaves us fit for our God assignments. And a lot of us are not called to be Olympians. So it seems our world has gone from thin obsessed to now health obsessed too. And obsessively pursuing health can damage your health in various areas. Your social relationships, your mental and spiritual health, even your physical health from the stress of being so rigid with health habits. My world came to a halt when I listened to these podcasts, but in a good way. How could this be, though? I thought, I'd been taught that fat equated to unhealthy, to lazy. But after listening to these two hours worth of podcasts, I realized all those beliefs had been taught to me by a weight-obsessed world. It makes sense why I was a hypersensitive about how my body looked for years, because the world around me was. It was the norm, the thing everyone was taught to do, an acceptable practice with various sources promoting to do that. Voices telling you to keep fearing being fat, to keep feeling guilt about eating some things. All around me, I saw people looking down on people in larger bodies, and I subconsciously never wanted that, especially after experiencing some of it in my childhood from classmates. I learned through evidence-based books like Linda Bacon's Body Respect that anybody could be healthy regardless of size. I learned that is not to say every size is healthy, but any size can be healthy. Some fat or thin people aren't healthy because of their sizes. Sometimes because of their size and the habits that got them there, they are unhealthy. That woman in the workout video simply had a fat body type though. There wasn't anything wrong with her body and she might be very healthy, even more so than some of the thin people on the set. I learned to normalize all types of body shapes, to acknowledge that most women actually don't look like the actresses I had been mostly exposed to as a kid. It's more the norm to not look like them actually. Even if a fat or thin body isn't a healthy body, it's still a body God created. It's still worthy of being shown kindness and respect. The person in that body and those around them, they deserve our kindness. If a cancer patient is still allowed to love their body, if someone with a disability is still worthy of love, then a fat body, even an unhealthy one, even an unhealthy thin body, 
we can celebrate their body too because it's a gift from the Lord. I used to not like how much attention popular singer Lizzo got for her large body. I would think, aren't we just celebrating unhealthy habits by praising her for the love of her plus size? But now I know any body is worth celebrating, just like any nature scene outside that we may come across. It's worth celebrating because it's a creation of God. We're not celebrating maybe the practices that they're doing to get to a super, super thin body size or super, super big body size, but we're celebrating their body because it is a creation from our Lord and Savior. Being kind to all body types does not mean you're approving of how they treat their bodies again. Just like you can be kind to all sexual orientations but not approve of their behaviors or beliefs. Does that make sense? Basically, love the person since they are God's creation, but you don't have to love their actions. Love practically by not name-calling with unkind words or comments on social media. Love by being patient when others can't keep up with you instead of getting frustrated at their physical abilities that they can't keep up with you on a walk. Try not to get easily angered by how others take care of themselves or offended by it. Check out 1 Corinthians 13 and pray for God to show you ways to love others practically in all body types. You truly can't tell if someone is healthy simply by taking inventory of their size. Nope, unless you take their blood pressure, get a reading on their different cholesterol levels, and follow them like a creep, evaluating everything they eat and how they move on average over a month, you have no idea how healthy someone is or not. To know if someone was healthy in a small or large body, you need a brain scan, not just a quick glance on the street as you pass by and take note of their size. How is their mental health, their positive self-talk? Do they do consistent spiritual disciplines? Do they drink adequate water, manage stress levels? Health is about habits over time again. Health does not have a specific look or one body size. In 2017, Eddie Hall won the World's Strongest Man competition, lifting 1,102 pounds by deadlift. At the time, he weighed over 400 pounds and had a notable big protruding belly, similar to a pregnant woman. To look at him, you'd think he was overweight. Clearly, looking at someone cannot tell you their health, fitness level, strength, or their endurance. Don't get me even started on the BMI scale, which only takes weight and height into consideration when saying if you are in a healthy weight range. The Rock, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they would all be considered overweight by this flawed health scale. You need to look at the whole picture of someone's life to determine health, not just their weight in comparison to their height. Fat doesn't necessarily mean unhealthy, and thin doesn't necessarily mean healthy. It's not wrong to be in a bigger body. It's not better to be in a thin body. Thin doesn't necessarily mean happy. Fat doesn't necessarily mean unhappy. Yes, some people will treat you worse if you are in a larger body, and the world isn't set up for fat body shapes, just like it's not set up for people who are very tall or very small. And yes, it's worth noticing that some people do have an increase in quality of life when they become smaller. Some high weights do prevent you from fully living, from riding a bike, being able to do chores, engage with loved ones on trips, and do fun things like wear high heels, etc. It's not wrong to have weight loss goals. There are just unhealthy ways to go about it that aren't joyful or sustainable. Why not try another approach then, like learning to recognize body cues to help you get to your natural happy weight, your set point that I was talking about, to let Jesus and his perfect design of body cues decide your weight, help you get to the weight he picked for your unique body to be at that would be enjoyable and easy to maintain, which is called the set point weight range. And again, Linda Bacon's book talks about that body respect 
She also has one called Health at Every Size. Definitely go check that out at your library. Fat is simply a body shape, guys, caused by genetics. It's why the same people can have all the same wellness habits and yet look different. If different breeds of dogs are accepted and deemed cute, why aren't different body shapes on human? Who decided thin was best? Can you find that dude so I can punch him in the face? All right, that was Satan. And I'm punching him out cold by writing this book to help free people from his stupid lies. Just like one of my friends has curly hair and didn't permit to get it to do that, so do some people just have fat body types without doing anything to cause it. It's not possible for them to change, just like your eye color is what it is. Your genetic body shape is no different than you just getting the height you did or the skin tone you have. Fat is not a bad word. If you have brown eyes wouldn't be a hurtful saying, you are fat shouldn't be either. Brown hair, blonde hair, gray hair, black hair, red hair. They are different but not worse from each other. Why do we cringe or find it rude to say, oh, I was talking to my fat friend the other day and she told me this awesome tip for getting stubborn dishes clean. Replace fat friend with tall friend in that sentence, a simple adjective word, neutral like colors, and would you find that sentence offensive? Would you gasp hearing me say it? Nyla, don't call her fat then why have we decided that fat is a bad thing to be? Why did someone get to dub that adjective as wrong or bad to be associated with you? One woman who identifies with being fat, Bethany, had a wonderful comeback when she'd refer to herself as people and people would quickly console her. Oh, you aren't fat. Don't call yourself that. She'd smirk and say, I didn't say I wasn't beautiful. I love that so much. Fat people have inherent human worth, as do thin bodies and all other body shapes in between. Our weight doesn't tell you how healthy you are, how loved you are, how appreciated you are, how talented you are. It simply tells you what your body parts all weigh and all your gooey inner parts too. That is it. We need to stop believing the message that fat is wrong. We need to give equal opportunity and kindness to fat people as we do thin people. We need to normalize diverse body types to not just feature thin white bodies in shows or ads, but raise awareness that other body types and all body types are beautiful and worthy of love. We also need to normalize changing body types. Bodies change as we age. You don't look like a newborn right now, do you? Do you look like newborn you right now? So why is it not okay you don't look like teenage you? Isn't it good and normal you don't look like toddler you still? So why can't changing bodies be accepted even as we age? Trees change, looking beautiful in spring with pink cherry blossoms and vibrant with fall red leaves. Both beautiful in different seasons. Humans can be thought of in the same way if we choose. But there are wrong ways to talk about people's bodies. Even if there's not a wrong way to have a body, there are wrong ways to talk about them. We need to ourselves treat and talk about all body types as being okay. Just like we should talk about all nationalities and races as being good and of equal value, different but equal. We need to consider not commenting on bodies altogether and focus more on praising good character we see in others, things we admire, things we appreciate in people. I used to be an educational assistant at a private Christian school and they would have something called character awards and every couple months they would put on an award show and if kids were caught doing amazing things, they would get these awards for character awards. Like this is the helpful award. This is the considerate, the thoughtful, the friendly, the good friend award. And they would 
give them praise for displaying awesome characteristics. It wasn't an award show for, this is the kid with the good hair. This is the kid with the thin body. It was all based on character, and I love that. They were instilling at that school in the elementary levels that that is what we're looking for, is for you to practice and display God's character to your fellow classmates, and I just really, really love that. So yeah, we need to consider not commenting on bodies altogether and focus just like that school did on praising good character. You never know what harm your innocent remark on someone's body may cause in someone. I only comment when I'm invited into that conversation. I never initiate it anymore. Why? Because I once accidentally complimented someone on their drug addiction, praising them for their weight loss that was caused from their addiction. And others praise me for my eating disorder habits without knowing it. Basically, they encouraged me to keep doing very dangerous and unhealthy behaviors by applauding the results of my behavior. You never know how someone changed their body, and you never want them to think their before picture was wrong because they may go back to that before appearance, or someone nearby may still be resembling that before picture. Now, if someone says they've lost weight, I'm quick to ask, oh, how did you do it? And how are those new habits, more importantly, making you feel? I still don't want to focus on their looks, but how their lives are improving from more movement or vegetables. Maybe a comment on weight loss would be encouraging to someone like, hey, they notice I've been going to the gym more, but you don't know how they will for sure take your words and you might get it dangerously wrong sometimes. I just keep quiet now until I know the person more and their weight loss motivation and how they've been doing it. Until I know more details. And until I know if their comment, me commenting, would be helpful or harmful. So I know what exactly that I'm applauding before I clap. If you notice weight loss or weight gain, why not ask the person, how are you really doing? Then truly listen to understand, not to share, just to hear what is happening in their life to cause the changes. Maybe it's a loved one passing away, stress over kids or work, infertility. Just listen and find out. We need to realize that, yes, some people are jerks. Some people will treat you worse if you gain weight or are naturally in a fat-shaped body. But the ones who matter, they won't care. You know when you're watching a movie when the main kid character is trying so hard to be part of the mean kid group at school and you watch heart aching thinking, hey, don't you see the great nerd friends you already have who accept you for who you are? Don't be like that kid. Recognize the true friendships you have around you who don't care about your appearance but care more about your character. They are the ones that matter, who you want in your life, who would be handy to have. The other people who only care about what your body looks like they're not going to be a good support system when you need support if that's what really matters to them. You want the people who love you for you. Those are the ones that are going to show up when times are hard for you. Thin shaming is a real experience too. What about the other end of the spectrum? Thin body type shaming. I decided to speak out about this because I've experienced it and I bet other women have too. Out of fear and shame, I haven't said anything before. They tell me I have thin privilege, so I better not say anything is hard about it so I don't make someone mad. But then I did a post on Instagram about this topic and other women were cheering, thankful somebody finally said something, possibly feeling alone about the subject and their experiences with thin shaming. Just because someone has a different type of hard than you doesn't mean it still isn't hard for them. Just because you haven't had an experience doesn't mean others haven't had that experience and being hurt by it. All types of hard are valid and real, and it's okay to talk about. Yes, I recognize I do have some privileges and won't have some struggles or certain experiences simply because 
my set point is a smaller frame body now, but I also am deciding to speak up about the hard parts about being in this body. I've been called names as a kid for being chunky, fat, a sack of potatoes, not picked on teams because I wasn't as athletic. But once I lost weight, I was snickered at for being too skinny. I was treated poorly by some people in larger bodies and also in average-sized bodies. Moral of this rant, it's always wrong to tell someone their body looks wrong. Every body is a good body and deserves words of kindness. Be kind in how you speak about your own body. Be kind in how you speak about different looking bodies than yours. There is no wrong way to have a body, but there's definitely a wrong way to talk about a body. Body shame talk, it's wrong in any shape that you are shaming. What I wish I could say to grade three me. Another golden rule to live by, if you can't say anything nice about yourself, don't say anything at all. Or if you can't make it sound loving, make it neutral. As a 30-year-old, I am sad for eight-year-old me and the impact of the mean words of her classmates calling her fat. I wish I had been there to hug her to tell her they were wrong. That first of all, she wasn't fat because that just wasn't her body type. But secondly, that fat wasn't wrong to be. This is how I envision our conversation going down. Grade three me. A boy at school called me fat today. My adult self. How did that make you feel, Nyla? Grade three me. Not good, because he scrunched his nose up at me and he asked me why I had to be so fat. And another boy found out I liked him and said, ew, because he said I'm fat too. My classmates don't like me because of how I look. My adult self. I'm sorry those boys hurt your feelings. Gives hug. Would it have hurt your feelings if they called you tall or said you have hazel eyes? Grade three me. No, those aren't bad things to be. My adult self. Neither is being fat or in a larger body than the other girls around you. Just like we use words to describe people like tall or brown hair, fat or big is a describing word for how people's bodies look. Grade three me. So fat isn't a bad word? It's not wrong to look different than the other girls in my class? My adult self. Nope. But sweetie, even so, you aren't fat. That's not your body type. You might be differently shaped than most girls in your class, but that's not a bad thing. Looking different than others doesn't make you worse than them. It just means you're beautifully different. Beauty comes in all kinds of sizes and shapes. And since God made your body, it's good. In the first book of the Bible, he calls his creation of you good. That includes your body. He doesn't make crap. Do you like how you look? Grade three me. Yeah, I like my freckles. My adult self. I like them too, but it really only matters if you like how you look, not if others do. Those boys, they hurt me bad. I let them. I gave too much power to their opinions of my body. And now I know I have worth not because of what my body looks like or if other humans approve of me, but because of who created me, because he says I have worth. Though those boys likely don't remember their comments, the events deeply impacted me. And, and it's a reminder for me and you that kind or cruel words can be life-changing. Okay, guys, thanks for listening to me do that reading from my book. You can, again, visit the show notes and there's a link to go buy it. There's different chapters in there about how learning intuitive eating changed my negative food beliefs into positive beliefs. There's a chapter about mindful eating, how I enjoy less food more. There's a chapter about the value of rest and things I wish I would have known when I had a grade three ankle sprain. Not grade three like the grade. It's grade three meaning it was like a top notch severe ankle sprain is what they call it a grade three there's one about parts of diets are from the devil and why i think parts stink but not all of them there's a part about body image and how to shut up the inner inner mean girl there's a chapter on how my eating disorder affected my marriage 
there's a chapter about overeating and how I don't eat eight cookies at once anymore. And there's a chapter about food guilt and how God doesn't want you to be ashamed about eating chips. Um, yeah, there's lots of different chapters in there. So to hear all of my story of healing, go check out B3. <laughs> That's what I call it for short the Bible, your bod, and broccoli. You'll hear some pretty vulnerable stories never told before in this book, things I won't post on social media, some things that friends don't even know unless they've read the book. So I'm going to end with a prayer here. Father, I pray that whoever you would like to get this book would have an impression on their hearts to get it. Show them if they need it or if they should get it for someone they know. I pray it's so healing to them. I pray this book crosses your path just when you need it, reader friends, that God puts others on your mind to share it with who would hugely benefit from it and would be ready for what I teach, that it would just be a pivotal life moment when they pick up this book. And I pray that the Holy Spirit brings new concepts to mind triggered by a word or a sentence in this book and this episode that leads people down an empowering and healing thought pattern with him that they just talk about what they're reading with him. I pray this book serves as a chain breaker for people where they are currently with their relationship with food, which is be redeemed and bondage broken off. And I pray this book is a tool to bring about joy, freedom, and peace with body image and food. And I pray this book just inspires people and gives them a hopeful glimpse that they don't have to keep the parts of their relationship with food that they don't like, that they truly can change and become the woman that they desire to be and they really can live that full life that they deserve and that you, Father, purchased for them on the cross. So Matthew 6, 22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So when our eyes, aka our mindset, how we see and perceive things is healthy, our whole body, our whole lives are healthy, balanced, and joyful. And I pray that this book just opens your eyes to a new way of viewing your body, food, fitness, and even intuitive eating with the Jesus perspective. So thanks for hanging out with me today, friends. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name. And remember, he wants you to be free of food struggles even more than you want to be free. He loves you so much and wants full freedom for you in every area of your life. Full food freedom, lasting recovery, it is possible for everyone. Yes, even you. Hey friend, do you love this podcast? Has it been a blessing to you? The best way you can thank me for producing the Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast is by telling a friend about it or sharing a screenshot of the episode you tuned into on your story. Better yet, leave a five-star rating and a really nice review on iTunes to encourage others to check it out and see what all the hype is about. Thank you.